0: Golly, I have so much to say but so little time to do it. So I'm going to try to really condense down um, what I'm thinking about. But one thing I did want s- to just kind of talk about here real quick is we've been in this series where we've talked about the five decisions of freedom. So we're going to wrap it up today on I do the deep work. Yeah. But first of all, Pastor Dalton talked about you have to take full responsibility for your life. How can I get an amen? I mean, there's just times where you just have to say it's nobody else's fault. It's nobody else's problem. No one else is responsible. Not my kids, not my cat, not my boss, not my teacher, not my parent, not my spouse. But it's me. Say it's me. I'm going to take full responsibility. And then second, uh, Mark talked about, I obsess about my growth. Say that with me. I obsess about my growth. So how do we obsess about our growth? Pa- Pastor Mark did an incredible job talking about that. But re- first of all, reading. Let's start with one, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Everybody remember that song from preschool? I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Anybody remember that? Okay. Okay good I don't feel so old so we got the Bible and then and then script and then books podcasts there's so many our our world isn't is a wealth of information now and so there's really no excuse to take responsibility and number two to excess about your growth number three I pursue proximity and I invite accountability oh this one's a little bit painful because that means you have to let people close enough into your life um, that you pursue them and they pursue you, and then you talk about what's going on in your life, and you push each other on. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And so that friendship's encourage each other to build on our strengths. So sometimes, how do you know um, when you've got a good friend, when they can look you in the eye and say, I'm not sure about that. Can we talk that through? That means that you have reached a level of accountability in a relationship where you trust one another enough that you can have some differences. You can agree to disagree, or you can say, you know what? I really don't want to hear what you're saying right now, but I know you love me enough, that I'm going to listen to what you're saying, and I'm going to allow that to process through even though it hurts a little bit at the end of the day I know I'm going to be better for it because iron sharpens iron number four I master my state so uh, pastor Mark talked about that last week spirit soul and body how many of you know that if you are depressed if you are frustrated if you are tired if you are if you are all I, I, if you are in what I call the you might know what the blah is 2020 has given us plenty of opportunity to live in the blah we've been isolated We've been separated from people and it, it, it we've been we have been afraid we've been frustrated and and I don't know about you but it don't don't hang out there too long because you'll get even more frustrated and depressed but if you hang out in Facebook world a little bit you begin to see when you can tell the deep dive when folks are not having a good day when they're living in the blah just by the posts that they that they put up Anyone know what I'm talking about you're like oh they just need to get out and have lunch with somebody they just need to get in the car sometimes you just need to get in the car and take a drive. Like you've got to change your state. You've got to change how you're feeling in that moment because if you live in that blah, And you feel weak and defeated. Oh, guess what happens? That's when the enemy comes in. Oh, (laughs) like a flood. You know, the spirit of the Lord comes in like the flood. But if you put all your defenses down and you don't, you don't focus in on what God's saying for your life and you just let the blahs come in, the devil will come in. He is sneaky. And by the end of the day, you know, you're counting the pills in the pill bottle. You're trying to figure out how to get out of this place. Like there's a better side on the other. And does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Because 2020, so so Pastor and I, uh, back in September, we went and spent some time with Dr. John Walker, who's been a mentor in our life for, for many years. And while we were in these conversations, you know, really, Marion and I just said, okay, we're in the, it, it September so we're, we're now, today, almost at a year at the beginning of, of, of COVID 2020. So on March the 8th, I walked into my office. Becca said, hey, I, I think you need to turn on um, Facebook because there's a, there's a um, press conference happening with our governor. And he's saying that churches need to shut down starting today. And I'm like, what? I mean, that was March 8th. Today is what? February 7th. Okay, we are one month away from how our worlds just got totally rocked, totally changed. Can I can I get an amen? But but in that, what what I think has become more apparent, and when we were with Dr. John Walker, he, he said this: he said, we have as a world experienced something that I call compression syndrome. So when things are compressed, what happens? So if, if a house, if a foundation of a house is compressed, so there's something in the in colder climates called the freeze and thaw factor. So, so my dad was a mason, so I grew up around this, and he would say, oh, you know, when it's really cold, and especially if moisture comes down, if there's leaking, and moisture gets down into that foundation, and then when it's cold, it contracts, but when it warms up, it, 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 it starts to expand, so it causes cracks in the foundation because there's been that compression, that moves movement of ground. How many of you felt some movement in your life this year? And, and here's the thing. It's for some of us, it's been it's been movement like good in the sense of like kick you out of your comfort zone and say, okay, I need to wake up. And for some of us, it's been clearly the most painful year of our life. But here's what I found was interesting. As we moved through 2020, I found that as I watched from uh, the the role of pastoring, I I saw people respond to the compression in many different ways. Some of us were like, we're going to make it. Like we've got it. We're going to push through this thing. Others are like, I'm not getting out of my house. I'm not going anywhere. Just pull the covers up and and just let this thing pass by. I mean, we're all different people, all made and created in an image of God. But some I found really had what I call have done the deep work. So when you look at a tree, a very large tree, Above ground is this massive tree that has fruit and foliage and it's strong. And when the winds come and the storms come, what does it do? It just kind of moves, right? It just moves with the environment. But under the ground, what is under there? There are roots. There is a whole root system that feeds that tree, that holds that tree down, that anchors that tree when it's when the winds are raging. It holds it down. And what I found as I began to watch us and me, there were days where I felt like a tree planted by the water, strong, and there were days where I felt like weepy You know, like like the tree's just gonna like, you know, and, and so that that's how I feel. Like 2020, it just it really tossed us back and forth. And here's the thing, you know, I I was never much of a test taker in school. Anybody does anybody in here love to take tests? There are a few of you that are saying yes, you just need to leave now, okay? The thing about what I remember in school about when it was test-taking time, remember when the teacher would come by, and they would lay the paper down and say, now, do not flip it over. Now, this was probably when it was still paper and pencil. It may be different now, Uh, well, especially now with Zoom uh, and everything online, but they would flip the paper over, and she'd walk through all the desks, and your heart started pounding and it all of a sudden, at that moment, Second Timothy, to study to show thyself approved under God, a workman that needs not be to shame rightly, did I study myself approved right now? Most times, I was saying, mm, not so much. I did the best I could, but I, I didn't, didn't love to study. But here's the thing about when it was test-taking time, all of a sudden, the room got what? Silent. It was quiet, and that made it even worse. But here's the thing. Once the teacher said, okay, turn the paper over, get your number two pencil out, make sure your, your pencil has an eraser and it's sharpened, right? At that point, then the teacher goes back to their desk and is silent. We have been in this compression syndrome in the last year when we have been taking a test and the teacher has been silent. And in that moment, when we are taking that test, the purpose of a test is to assess how well we know the information, right? So, man, you know, when you're flying through a test, at the end of it, you're like, done. You know you passed that test. You've got it. You had it. And then some of us are like scathing by, like, whew, I think I I think I passed just enough to get through. And then you know the days when you just lay the test over, like you don't even finish it. You, like, you, you just... You just sit down and you're like, I failed that thing miserably. (laughs) Whether you studied or didn't study, whatever happened in that moment, you just felt so so defeated and so distressed. And this is what I don't want for us. I do not want us to come through this season, however long it's going to last, and sit down at our table, or at the foot of our bed, or wherever we are, and say, I failed this season miserably. Because greater is he that's in you than he who is in this world. So there's no reason that we should fail the test miserably, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you're not going to fail the test. So we're we're not going to fail the test. And I think about the Israelites. You know, we won't go into that story too much, but they went around that that mountain how many years? (laughs) How many days journey was it? Anybody remember? Like less than a two-week journey. And they went around that mountain for 40 years. Some of us have been going around the mountain way too long, it's just time to pass the test. But in order to pass the test, you've got to do the deep work you've got you've got to study you've got to prepare yourself so in eff- in essence this 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 deep work that i'm talking about it's 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 required and it's twofold so the first is to expose or become aware of what's happening the story that we're writing at this moment what's happening in our lives like oh i felt that crack oh what was that Woo. I barely missed that one. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like it is to expose those things and make us aware. The second thing that deep work does is with the help of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we have the opportunity to rewrite the story. Just say that with me. I'm going to rewrite the story. So all of us up to this point in our life, we have a story. We'd sit down, and if we, if we met out over at Panera and had a cup of coffee, what, what would we do? If, if we didn't know each other on a level of kind of knowing our story, we, we'd say, well, well, where are you from? And, and tell me about, you know, how you grew up, and, and, and what do you do for a living, and, and, what, and, 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 that, and those questions of how many children do you have? Have you ever been married? No, you know, what, and you'd start to just talk about what? Your, your story, Right. So all of us have the story and all of the things that have events that have happened in our life have written different stories. So, so your story is different than my story, but it doesn't make my story any valuable than your story or your story any valuable than mine, because just say this with me, it's my story. So we, so we all have, have this story and this is what I love in Genesis chapter one. So Genesis chapter one is the is the book of creation, and God said this. So He said that God created man in His own image, and then it jumps down. So first of all, let's make sure we understand that God created you and me in His own image, His imagio Dei. That means God breathed His Zoe or His godlike life into each and every one of us. How all that happened, I don't completely understand, but it happened. So God breathed His life. Into us, and then later down in that scripture in Genesis chapter 1, he says, And it was very good. So God is looking at you today and saying, You are very good, not just good, but he puts the adjective on, You are very good. And if God formed us in his image and he says we're very good, well, when God created Adam and Eve, there was nothing hindering them from communion, right? Like it says that they walked around, they walked around the Garden of Eden, it says, in the cool of the day. And, and then here's some, what happened: something happened that created a division or a wedge between God and man. And suddenly the story took a drastic turn. The story of all of humanity took a drastic turn. And suddenly things began to change. Because frankly, prior to that, there was no need for deep work. Because really the need for deep work is to get back to a place of total communion with God, where you you can just walk with him, as the old hymn says, in the cool of the morning. Uh, And and he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. That's But to get us back to that place where we filter out all the other things takes deep work. Say it with me. It takes, it takes deep work. So, so the things didn't play out quite that well in the Garden of Eden. And, and so I'm going to talk about three truths kind of coming off of that. The first truth is that the story of your life, the story of your heart writes the story of your life. So what was written on your heart, the story of your heart, it writes the story of your life because what's been written on your heart is how you live out your life. So as we see in the garden, um, the serpent, when they tempted Adam and Eve, the hearts were vulnerable not only to holy influences, but also to unholy influences. All of a sudden in that moment, we realized that we aren't that smart sometimes. Like Adam and Eve had pretty clear instructions. There was only one thing that God said don't do. One thing. One thing. And what did they do? So, so it's interesting because we can be influenced so quickly. That's why Proverbs says, above all else, Proverbs four twenty three. above all else, for guard your heart, for out of it flows what? The issues of life from where? Your heart, which is where the story of your life is coming from, what is on your heart. So we call these things um, that impact our life. Let's call them heart shapers. So we have experiences that shape our heart. Right now, just, just think of one thing Think of one amazing thing, a place that you visited, a moment that you experienced when you said, "Man, that was awesome." A conversation, an event, when your child was born. I know there's 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 lots of things, but if you go back to that and say, "That shaped my heart," that was a really awesome experience. Memories. Think about memories that shape our heart. All these things influence the story of our heart. Here's the thing. A lot of those things we didn't necessarily choose. They just happened. You go, wow, that was awesome. Or, whoa, that was not so awesome. And I don't know how in the world did that happen. So there's an endless list of heart shapers. And let's kind of throw them into two different categories. So the first are significant events significant events that truly shape our heart, which is the story that our life lives out. Things like abuse, divorce, death. These are all like big things, loss of a job. In COVID this year, in 2020, we some of us in America and the world have experienced massive things that have truly like impacted our life in one big fail swoop just like boom but then there's also the cumulative things that kind of that shape our heart as well so you know maybe we grew up in a home that it, it, things were just critical like you could never do enough you could never you know you could never be enough you could never the g- grades could never be high enough the room could never be clean enough the meal could never be good enough like everything was just critical Maybe, maybe you were at school, you were bullied. Maybe, maybe they made fun of you or the way you dressed or the way you talked or, or how you did things. Maybe, maybe you moved all around, whether your parents chose to because of their job or they just, that, that, that was just kind of how they went. They just kind of jumped to and fro. And you thought, I'm maybe I'm never really gonna have close friends because we're always moving. So there's no sense in trying to like connect with people. You know, and maybe we're just told all your life, you're, you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not strong enough. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy. Here's, here's what I know. The enemy will use whatever he can to shape our heart and cause it to be not everything that God wants it to be. I mean, like he will put us in situations if we allow him. And, and, and if, we are, if we are not doing all of the five decisions to keep us in freedom, he will beat our brains out by just what he speaks into our hearts and our minds. So 20, um, Proverbs twenty seven nineteen says this. As water reflects the face, so if you can imagine I'm here at a a pond and I'm looking down in the pond, I'm looking at the water, I can see what my, I can see my reflection. So as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Ooh, that's good and bad. That means your life, what you do, the decisions you make every day reflects what's happening inside your heart. You see, your life experiences—they have impacted your life, whether whether you want them to or not. The stories, the experiences you have experienced, they write things on your heart, and then your life lives out what's been written on your heart. And 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 so, one of the easiest ways I thought I could kind of explain this to you is is with an apple. And I thought, well, we're talking about Genesis chapter one, and 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 then. Um, an apple. So, so here's the thing. So if I, if I grab this apple and, and I'm, you know, on a picnic and I'm see when I'm at home, I have to cut the apple up and then I have to cut out the core. And then I have to put a little bit of peanut butter on the side and then I dip the apple. So that's how I really eat an apple, but say, I can't do that. And say I'm on a hike or something. And I grab the apple and I get ready to take a big bite of the apple. And there's this massive bruise right there. What am I, what am I going to do in that moment? I'm going to turn that apple, right? If there is a bruise, I'm definitely going to spit it out. If I get a big chunk of it, like, ugh, nothing like a rotten apple. Nothing, so, so I'm going to work my way around the bruise, right? Which leads us to, to, to point number two that says the story of your heart can be hindered. So, number one, the story of your life is a st- story of your heart is a story of your life. Number two, the story of your heart, it is. Can be hindered. So let's go back to that thought about compression syndrome. Remember when I mentioned that when we are compressed, that uh, the pressure begins to sign, sign, sh- sh- show signs of weaknesses in our foundation, cracks. It begins to expose things in us. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one says this: Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now let's just stop there for just a moment. That means that someone that's gone before you, that's been praying you on, that, you know, like right now, like the Apostle Paul, like Jesus, like Abraham, Moses, Isaac, like they are in grandma, grandpa, they are in this great cloud of witnesses, and they are surrounding us and cheering us on. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul says, so because of that, therefore, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. In other words, like you're being watched like eyes on you. Okay, so let us, th- let us throw off everything that hinders. Okay, got this great cloud of witnesses watching us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I was never really that coordinated when I was growing up. So jump rope for me, you know how like some will do like that double dutch thing and they got the whole, like, like they got the, you know, no, that, no. For me, that was a total entanglement moment. Like I'm like, uh, you know, I feel like at that moment, I suddenly, I have two left feet because it entangled me. But said, so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily, you know, gives us two left feet. In other words, makes us look like complete idiots, right? And then let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So if something is marked out for you and for I, that means what? Somebody's went ahead of us. Somebody's gone ahead of you, and they have marked out the race. They've said, okay, Jenny, this is your path. Go that way. Somebody's marked out that race. Do you see two very distinctions, two clear distinctions here? Number one, it says everything that hinders, say that with me, everything that hinders, and the sin that entangles. So in church world, I think we have spent a lot of time talking about the things that you don't do, you know, the sin things, right? So we grew up like, don't touch that, don't look at that, don't do this, and and that's kind of how we were raised, especially if we were raised in church. And if you weren't raised in church, you're like, I just, all of it is, it seems like it's just things you can't do. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? But we rarely talk about everything that hinders. Everything that hinders, it could be sin, but it's not necessarily sin. Things like fear hinders, self-doubt hinders, anger, mm, that one hinders, shame, guilt, depression, people-pleasing, a need for control. Now, these are things that we wouldn't necessarily say like are the big S-I-N words, but they hinder us because they suddenly become the lens that we focus our life and look through. Suddenly, if our heart is like this apple, it's the bruise on the side. So if I walk in anger, Then all of a sudden, every time I feel that rising up on the inside of me, I have to do what? I have to protect that bruise. I'm not going to eat it because it tastes gross. I'm going to move around it. So in my heart, if I deal with some of these things that hinder me in my life, I'm suddenly going to move around those things and dodge them because they are already bruised. And you know when somebody comes up to you and they like, you know, James, when you've been lifting a lot or you maybe you dropped the weight on your leg, which I know you never do, but if you ever did and you have this bruise and then somebody comes up when the kids come up and just, hey, Daddy, what's that? And you're like, ah. Oh. You avoid that spot because it hurts, right? So little truths. So when we believe these things, they begin to hinder our ability to run the race that God has set out for us. Why? Because we are weighed down. By the heaviness of the things that we are allowing to become truths in our lives. So I call these things, and it's actually from Dr. John Walker's book called Unhindered. They call it this. They call it the little T. So there's little T's, which are false truths. But then there is the big T, which is the Word of God. So, so in the story of our life, our heart has been written on. And we've got some bruises because we've not gotten rid of them quite yet. We've not allowed God to heal it because we just kind of protect it, cover it up. Because we don't want hurt again. I get it. But in that moment, the little truth is like, I'm not enough. I'm broken. I have to keep everyone happy. People will betray me. They can't be trusted life will never work out for me. I have to be pretty to be loved. I have to be strong to be loved. I have to perform. I have to be perfect to be loved. Anybody have any of those things ever been told to you? If you told it to yourself or somebody's told it to you? So those are little t's, little truths. And imagine... These little truths are the things that hinder us down. They are the things that, that weigh us down. So we can't run fast and effective when we carry that extra weight. So every time a story of our life, we absorb that into our life, it becomes something that... Whew. Anybody, you ever you get in the middle of the day or you're in the middle of like a really kind of a difficult situation... And you just sit down and you go, oh. I mean, you can feel the weight just come all over you. And, and, and Jesus says that the truth would set us free when we know it. In the book of Luke, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim the, what's it say? that? What kind of news? The good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord. Jesus said, that's why I came. I came to set you free. I came to take captivity captive. I came that you don't have to wear the weights of this world because the story of your life, it can be edited. And I love what Galatians chapter 5 says. It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So uh, you've probably been wondering, like, what has she got on here? So uh, do not let yourselves be burdened. Now now if you will imagine that this jacket, which is full and it's really hot, but now now I'm hot. Usually I'm cold in here, but now I'm hot. But if you can imagine that this this jacket, these these contain the weights, those little T's, those little truths that and here's the power of a little T. Because the story of your heart writes the story of your life, right? So as I've experienced these things in my life that are painful, that are real, that I have experienced, suddenly my heart begins to align with a lie. So I align my story because it's what I've seen, it's what I've experienced, and I say that this is truth. So my heart is now aligning with a false truth. So the little T over here, I align with this truth. But over here is the big T, the word of God. And he's saying, no, that is not why I came. I came to set you free so that you no longer have to carry the sin of the world. That is why I came. We carry around these weights, you know, like a badge. We have war stories. We have heart shaper stories. We have to validate why we are still aligning with that false truth. And it's funny because we'll have conversation with friends and especially if we start to do the deep work and we begin to pursue a proximity and invite accountability and all of a sudden Nicole looks at me and says, Pastor Steph, why are you wearing that thing? And I'm like, what, what thing? What what are you, what are you talking about? A, a, and in proximity and accountability, our friends begin to look at us and go, You you realize you got that thing, right? You, you got that anger thing, you've got that people-pleasing thing, you've got that I'm not enough thing, you've got that, oh, I can never be enough thing, I'll never have enough thing. Everybody's always smarter than me, everybody's always better than me. And when somebody looks you in the eye and says, What are you thinking? And all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. I couldn't run the race like Hebrews said because I was so weighed down with the weight of the world. But when I let it go, all of a sudden... I can round my shoulders back and I can begin, as Paul said, I can begin to run the race that was set before me because it's already been laid out what I'm to do, what you're to do. But when we can't get there, we are frustrated and we're angry and we're walking around that mountain over and over and over again. And our friends are saying, you realize, like, that's not the way to Mississippi. You're headed to Maryland. You got the right M, but the wrong city. And that's how we are sometimes. We we are just heading in the wrong direction. But Paul is telling us here in Galatians 5, don't let yourselves be hindered, which means then that we have to do the work. Now, here's the great thing about that. Jesus always comes in and does the heavy lifting because he said, that's why I came. I came to proclaim your freedom. I claim to, I came to give the good news, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that's why he came. That's why he died on the cross for the penalty of our sins so that he could carry the weight for us and we could walk away free in Christ which leads me to the last point which is the story of our heart it can be edited and the reality is that some of our stories they are writ- they've been written and i think we've we we begin to understand here we're beginning to see how these stories they're hindering our life, like we're frustrated because we're not set on the path that's been laid out before us because we are hindered. We're exhausted. We're weighed down by life's heaviness. Philippians 1, 6 says this, and I am certain, say certain. Certain. That means I'm clearly convinced. I am certain that God (laughs) who began a good work is faithful to complete it until the end. He started it, he'll finish it. And sometimes he starts it and then and then we pick it back up again. And just say, Ah, oh, I don't, I don't want to bother you with it, Jesus. I, I got this thing. And he's like, You fool. You have to just let it go. So God's gonna do the heavy lifting. He's gonna do the supernatural. In other words, I say, I love to say it this way. You've heard me say it many times. He puts the super on our natural. So when we in the natural, we begin to make these decisions to lead us to freedom. And we begin to do the deep work. I, I say it this way. I say it's a dangerous opportunity. It's dangerous because <laughs> all of a sudden, we start seeing things we didn't want to see. We start feeling stuff that makes us a little uncomfortable. Our friends start, start telling us like, hey, you know, what about this? And where are you at on that? And, and all of a sudden, they're like, did, did you pray this week? You know, how's your reading going? Did you go to connect group? Were you on your edge call this week? And you're like, I don't, I don't want people talking to me, speaking into my life. And it starts to feel uncomfortable, but it's us doing the deep work. So the the deep work, um, I, I don't I don't want to take too much thunder, but just next week we're, we're I, I want to just say just real quick because Tracy Dolman shared a story last week. You guys are going to hear it next week, but she said she and Jay were kind of navigating some some a rough patch, you could say uh, maybe more than a patch, maybe a maybe a season a rough road. And she's like, we got. I got to do something different. Like, I have to, I have to make a decision, and I have, I have, I've got to do something. And she said, All, I, as, as things came my way that were opportunities, they seemed probably a little dangerous. Like, I don't know that person, and do I want to go to that connect group or be in that edge call or go to lunch with that friend? That seems dangerous, especially if in your heart you've got some bruises. And you're like, yeah, I don't. Nah, I don't do that. Like, I don't go there. I don't expose myself to that. I've been hurt by that before. Let me share. So so Tracy said though, she said, you know, here, here's what I did. I just went ahead and said, okay, I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make these dangerous I'm gonna make these dangerous opportunities. I, I'm putting words to what she said, but basically she said, I'm gonna jump out there. And I'm just gonna try and see what happened. And, and they did that, and God began to, as they did the deep work and took responsibility, God began to change their life. I want to share with you real quick, um, out, of, out of my own life. So here, here's my, one of my journals. And in this journal, um, I am processing through some of, of my bruises, some of the belief systems that I've set in my heart that have now limited how I see life. And, and so here, here's one of them that, that I wrote down. I said, um, eventually, most people will let me down. Eventually, most people will abandon me. Eventually, most people will lie about me, misunderstand me, and they will hurt me. That's what I wrote down in my journal. Why did I write that down? Well, let me, let me give you a little backstory. then I'll come back. So I grew up in, in a, um, started in a little Methodist church in the cornfields of, of Ohio, I started at that church when I was in the nursery. so attended that church for a long long time, graduated from high school, headed into college, spent another 10 years or so at that church and that's where I met Pastor Marion and, and uh, you know everything was you know all the good stuff after that. and then he and I, he and I left there and we came and we started Bethel. So in, in 40 some years that's one, two, three, three churches. Now, when we started Bethel, All of a sudden, I realized that everybody's heart had not been shaped the same way towards church that mine had. So I began to experience loss at a level in relationships that I had never experienced before. So people that would come into my life and would want a position in my life and a place in my life, and I would now hold space for them in my life— So all of a sudden, those same people are walking out of my life with, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm holding space for you in my heart, and you're like gone. And I had no control over that experience. So I began to feel very disconnected. Uh, I'm telling you, I had a big, big bruise, and it just continued to expand until finally God called me out on. He's like, you cannot, because now you are so protecting that spot in your life that you are shutting everyone out. So, so here's what I continued right. I said, so what, if, what's the worst consequence that could happen if I continued this? What had become truly a little T truth to me? So what I mean by that is that the story, because of my experiences, so my story now aligned up with that little T, false truth, but it was real to me. So it was the story of my heart was the story of my life. So I said, okay, now what's, what's the worst consequences if I continue to live in that place? And I wrote down, missing out on love and deep connection, So then I said, okay, now I have to come away from the little t, the false truth, and I've got to find out what is God's word say about this. Because if it's causing such pain, it can't be God's will, but what does God say about it? I mean, like, what can I anchor my heart to, to believe, to say that, okay, I can believe something different. I had to realign my heart. Here's, here's what I wrote down. I said, I, I will have lasting and meaningful relationships because one, in Proverbs twenty seven fourteen, it says, a friend is always loyal and a brother to help in the time of need. And I began to say, okay, I'm gonna be a loyal friend to those that are am around and I'm gonna be a help when I can. And God, I know as I do that, then you're gonna turn that around to me. And then I'm gonna find people that are loyal in my life and they're gonna help me in a time of need. And then I went to Ecclesiastes 4.9. 4, two people are better than one because let's just be honest. Sometimes you're like, I don't need two. I'm good with one. Two complicates things. So two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. And then in Ecclesiastes 4.10, the next verse says, for if one person fails, the other can reach out for help. So do you see how I had to shift? So as as I put the word of God on my bruise, he began to heal my heart. So he reshaped my heart through his truth. I want to encourage you today. Whatever experiences that have shaped your heart, that have brought you to a place that aligns your belief system with something that does not line up with the word of God, I I want to encourage you to come back and do the deep work. And let me let me just Tell you right now, it's going to be like peeling layers off an onion, because it's going to be one. (laughs) Thankfully, God's pretty kind. He doesn't always rip all the band aids off at one time. Uh, He'll just slowly, he'll take one layer off and let it heal. He'll take another layer off and, and let it heal. But when there is a sore spot, that means it's a sign to you and I, something there God still has to heal. It's a sign. It's a good thing. It's God saying, okay, I think actually, Jess, did you say in the Valentine's Day, God reveals it to heal it? He reveals the hurt. And then at that moment we say, okay, God, I welcome you in to heal what you have revealed. Amen. Let's pray, and Pastor Mark's going to come up. Heavenly Father, we are just so honored that you give us your word to guide us, to direct us, to challenge us, to help us see clear. Because truly, God, you know that if if we will do the deep work, you will lead us to a place That we will fulfill everything you've called us to do. So God, I pray today that we as a congregation and individually, we make the decision to throw aside everything that hinders us. So that we can run the race that you've set before us with purpose and intentionality. And everyone said, amen.